0: Welcome here, my name is Eden, and I go to the bridge, and I love this place. Uh, We're gonna do communion this morning, and um, if it's been a while since you received communion, or you are uncertain exactly what this is for, let me just take a minute to share something with you for you to consider. So just hang on to your little uh, surprise package there and uh, we'll take it together at the end. Um, On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he wanted to be with his closest friends, the disciples. He seemed to be aware that his time on earth was running out. So he shared with his disciples how he wanted to be remembered, namely, equating a piece of bread and a cup of wine with his body and blood, which he would willingly sacrifice within hours. I want you to consider something else. In essence, Jesus is also giving his last will testament. He's offering forgiveness as his legacy and mercy for us all. My history with communion had a heavy emphasis on being right with others and not taking the cup unworthily. I'd like to flip that on us this morning. Instead of entering an evangelical confessional where we beat ourselves up. Let's take a seat right beside Jesus and have a conversation with him. Imagine Jesus asking you, what's troubling you? And you telling him what that is. Maybe you're worried about something, or maybe you're worried about a lot of things, or you're out of sorts with someone that you love, or you know you've caused some harm, and you're not exactly sure how to make that right. Whatever is troubling you, please share that with Jesus. I'll give you some time for that now. are meant to receive communion, not take it. It's something given, just as Jesus gave the disciples the bread and the wine of the Last Supper. As we do this to remember Jesus, let's consider an exchange between what has been troubling us and what Jesus has for us. Imagine yourself handing over your troubles and Jesus handing something back to you to replace them. What would that be? I'll give you a moment. Woman and a human just like you. I have no power to forgive sins, but I know someone who does. The inheritance that Jesus left us is ours to spend. All the forgiveness and mercy we will need throughout our entire lives. We ask God to forgive us because they already have. The asking is about us opening our hands to receive the inheritance already given. Asking and praying, Lord have mercy, is not us begging God because God is withholding it from us but because we need to be reminded that mercy is ours to accept and spend at any point, but especially when we feel unworthy of it. Please accept the forgiveness and mercy God gives and give the forgiveness and mercy to yourself where you may have withheld it. I want you to understand a few things as we receive communion this morning. Your sin has not separated you from God. Your confession doesn't change God's mind about you, not for the better and not for the worse. God doesn't need to be reconciled to you. God does not leave us or forsake us. Christ already forgave you at the cross, and the cross reaches back in time and stretches out for eternity. God's love does not waver in response to our human condition. This may just be about being reconciled to your own accusing conscience. Please let Jesus be the Lord over your conscience. The important thing is not to shrink away into shame or hide from God like Adam and Eve did. Rather, as quickly as you can, get up and rush back to the Father's house. Enter in and embrace the Father. as we receive the bread and the wine this morning. Receive with open hands an open heart and a willingness to let go of all the things that trouble you today. Lord have mercy. Amen. I'll just give you one little, if you've not had this before, there's two levels. There's a very thin level that you can pull back the wafers under there. And then carefully pull back the the pink layer and the juice will be there. Please eat and drink and remember Jesus and all he has done for us. You may be seated. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait. What happened?
0: I'm gonna pray for Sarah. If Sarah was a letter in the alphabet, I'm a nervous. she would be the letter X. Because X works the spot where the treasure is. Oh, okay. And oh, that's so corny. <laughs> I'll do my best. Oh my gosh. Um,
1: I was so nervous as where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> X-rated? There's
0: lots of ways it could go, (laughs) couldn't it? Anyways, um, I love Sarah. I know many of you love her dearly, too. She's been around in this community for a very long time, like from day one. Mm -hmm. And um, she is always a treasure. What she brings is always um, of her best. And um, we look forward to hearing what you have to say today. Lord, I ask that... um, You would just bless Sarah this morning with the words you've already given her. May she have peace as she shares, and may we have ears to hear. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Good morning, Zoom. And good morning, everybody in
1: the room. Look at that rhyme. Um, That's that's as good as it's going to get. So today uh, we are going to... I had multiple options for titles for this talk, but since there are children in the room, (laughs) my PG version uh, is from the theme gym of friends, which I have been rewatching. I started back at the beginning, oh my gosh, that shows, I don't know. Anyway, I'm hooked in now, I have to finish. So um, the the title of my talk is, I'll be there for you when the rain starts to fall. Had lots of other versions, but PG version makes me go with this one. So. I see multiple people in the story today that we can apply the word I to, and I see multiple people in the story today we can apply the word you to. So uh, just hold that in your mind as we go and let's get into it. Today's story is found in Mark 14:32 to 52, although I am going to grind to a halt at 42, because that is plenty for today. We are getting closer to Easter in the church calendar. Uh, Next week is Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday, and then after that we get to Easter Day. But we have a little bit of ground to cover in the life of Jesus before we get there. It would be tempting to rush straight to resurrection and woohoo, it's a party, but we actually have to walk through the valley with Jesus to get to that point. And so today's story, it takes us into the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus, which apparently looks like this. It's very pretty. The event happens after dinner, where Jesus had given the disciples the bread and wine moment that we just shared together, um, and it's the night that he will be arrested, but the disciples don't know that yet. I suspect that Jesus' agony is because he does. So all the disciples went with Jesus to the garden, all that is except Judas, who had gone off to do what he had to do, but Judas's story is not today's. Today we find Jesus and the others in the garden. Gardens are places of rest and places of restoration. Places of soothing and comfort. The children are having the same story today and their take is this. Green is the color of spring and growth. It is the color of of grass and leaves. It's the color of plants that are alive and thriving. Green can be soothing and comforting and it's a color where we go when we feel stressed out and sad. The green colors of a garden can help us put our minds at ease when we are in a bad place. And that is where Jesus goes, because he is in a bad place. We've talked a fair bit about gardens, actually, in this season, in this series, through Lent. And we are there again. So I invite you to join Jesus in the garden. Let's go together. I'm going to read from the New Testament for Everyone by N.T. Wright. So, Mark 14, 32. They came to a place called Gethsemane. Stay here, said Jesus to the disciples while I pray. This was not an unusual request. So far, so normal. Jesus often went off by himself to pray, but tonight he took friends with him. He needed company. In moments of stress and sorrow, are you a um, gather all the people around me or are you a just leave me the heck alone? Now, where do you fall? And if you are a gather your people around you, who are your people? Like, have them in your mind. Who are your ones? I have a few that I would call in a pinch, but I'm mostly just to leave me alone. I'm good, thank you very much. Stay over there. But Jesus was much more of a people person than I am. And uh, he gathered his buddies and went into the garden. He took Peter, James, and John with him. And he became quite overcome and deeply distressed. Mark is like the master of the understatement. So he became quite overcome like, I can, I can hear him almost writing in a British accent. Quite overcome, quite a little bit put out.
0: <laughs>
1: a Little bit disturbed, deeply distressed, but stating it a bit much. Um, My soul is disturbed within me, said Jesus, right to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. Jesus' inner circle, his big three, got to go a little further with Jesus and experience those deep emotions. The other eight, plus however many others. Because it says the disciples, It doesn't say the 12, it says the disciples. So there could have been a whole crowd of them got to wait maybe at the gates of the garden. And he told them to wait while he went off to pray. But he took those three with him, Peter, James, and John, because he needed people with him. He needed his three close. He became quite overcome and deeply distressed. Other versions say deeply moved. The message says he sank into a pit of suffocating darkness. Jesus is able to articulate his anguish and ask his friends for help. He says, my soul is disturbed within me right to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. The message again, I feel bad enough right now to die. Stay here and keep vigil with me. When someone is overcome or deeply distressed, it's really hard to know how to help or what to do. Like the most things that we can do probably is keep watch, keep vigil. That's pretty much all that's left for us to do. When someone is at the point of saying, I feel bad enough right now to die, we put them on suicide watch. I mean, somebody is watching them because that is all we can do. And that is where Jesus found himself right then in that moment. It's like, I feel like I could die. And these guys were there to watch. I've had nights when I feel so ill going to bed that I'm honestly surprised when I wake up in the morning. I'm like, huh, well, I made it. That's amazing. On nights like that, I have this strange thing where I sit up for as long as I can. Because I have this funny, I don't know, illogical thing But I won't die if I'm sitting up. (laughs) I probably feel a lot better if I lie down, but I I don't know what that is about. Um, But I understand a little of that. I feel bad enough to die right now.
0: Well,
1: in a physical sense anyway. I've never had it mentally or emotionally. But I have witnessed that in others, in my friends, in my family. I've witnessed that I feel bad enough to die right now. I'm grateful to be wired in a way that I don't feel that emotionally or um, mentally. I'm glad of that because I can't imagine. If you've been there or are there, then my prayer is that you would see some light where you are today and find the people who will sit and keep watch with you. Because there is perhaps a hint of comfort in this garden for anybody who suffers physically, emotionally, or mentally, or in any other way. Jesus has been there, he knows. At the bottom of the pit, you can hear him singing, I'll be there for you when the rain starts to fall. Thank you for singing on, Casey. Um, he knows because he's felt it too. But what of Jesus' friends, could they be there for him in a deep and dark place where Jesus finds himself? Well, he leaves them as well. So he's left a whole bunch of guys at the, at the gate, Gus and whoever else, at the gate to the garden, and he's taken the three a bit further. But then he leaves them too, and he says, I'm gonna go further in. And he says, stay here and keep watch. At some point, it was just Jesus. People couldn't help him anymore, it was all him. Okay, now look at this for the point of view of those three friends. The three of them, are sitting nearby, they are watching Jesus over there having a moment. He is all big emotions, and they are all big emotions and confusion. They were helplessly watching him fall into the pit of utter darkness. This was their leader and he was a mess. This was their rabbi, and he was leaning on them for once for strength. On other occasions, when he'd ask them to do things like, you know, go find me a donkey, or um, go feed these people, or go over there and heal some people, he'd had this kind of twinkle in his eye and this incontrolness and this like, I believe in you, go. And now he's saying, I need you, stay. Mm-hmm. He is not teaching them a lesson. He's not making a point, or simply having them find a place to supper. This is different, this is really messy. This is uncomfortable, because the humanity of Jesus is spilling out on from every side of him. He was really showing the depth of his pain, and they were just kind of like, (laughs) as it wiped them out. Like, pain is exhausting. Watching somebody else's pain is exhausting. (laughs) To be with someone else while they are going through that anguish is a privilege, but it's exhausting. And I imagine it was just like that for Peter and James and John. This was stretching all their capacities and blowing all of their fuses. I mean, no wonder they just fell asleep. They were just like, I can't do it. So back to Jesus. He went a little further, fell on the ground and prayed, if possible, that the moment might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me, but not what I want, but what you want. Jesus, again, we're, we are stuck with Mark's like, version. condensed version. It's like all the all the tone is taken out and we're just given this. Mm-hmm. Jesus kneeled on the ground. There is a horrible painting. I was gonna use a painting, but I, was, I couldn't find one that even got anywhere close. Um, it was Holbein? Can't remember the artist. Anyway, but, and, okay, it's Jesus. White Jesus, obviously. <sighs> I sigh. Um, and he was painting from his own experience, just where he was. Um, okay, so white Jesus is there. He's kneeling in the garden, and he's got his hands like this, sort of on a rock. I know a picture. <laughs> and there's this kind of faint glow behind him, this kind of angelic whiteness behind him. And that is how he portrays this moment in the garden. Like, that is not how it went down. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Jesus doesn't go through the Lord's prayer right now. He doesn't recite the prayers of his childhood that he'd learned in the synagogue. This is raw and real and intimate. Jesus doesn't do a breathing practice and meditate his way back to calm. <laughs> ah! I think that was probably more like it. This prayer is messy. This prayer comes with snot and tears. This prayer comes with shaking and grief and anguish from the pit of his suffocating darkness. This is not a how-to for prayer that he's teaching his disciples. This is a have-to for him in this moment of pain. This is not about them anymore. This is just about him. The translation cleans up what was probably extraordinarily messy. It says he fell to the ground And we picture him, you know, tidily kneeling, glowing. It's just rubbish. (laughs) Um, Perhaps it was more like face down in the dirt, pummeling the ground with his fists. Uh, Reverend Solving Nilsson Gooden, great name, puts it like this. She writes, how it probably went down Jesus pounded the dark earth, howling, tearing out his hair, tears and snot and dirt smearing muddy rivers down his anguished face. No, he yells. I don't want it to end this way. It's too hard. I'm so scared. They're coming for me. What are they gonna do to me? What is gonna happen to my friends, to my family? Everything I've worked so hard for. There has to be another way. I don't want to die yet. Not now. Not yet. And when he was spent and exhausted and in a heap on the ground and poured out everything in his heart, he finally whispered, OK, I surrender. I put my life in your hands. But this is not a one and done. He returned and found them sleeping. Are you asleep, Simon? He said to Peter. Couldn't you keep watch for a single hour? Watch and pray so you won't come into the time of trouble. The spirit is eager, but the body is weak. Peter, and James, and John had failed in the I'll be there for you part. They were there, but they weren't. They were literally sleeping on the job. The garden scene is recorded in all four Gospels, and it's slightly different in all of them. Luke adds that God sends an angel from heaven to strengthen Jesus, when his friends couldn't. With the presence of the angel, God is saying, I'll be there for you. Even if the disciples can't do it because of their own sadness and distress. But Jesus isn't done. He has sobbed, he has prayed, he has pleaded for a different way, but it's not done. Very clinically, Mark, with characteristic brevity, goes on. Once more he went off and prayed, saying the same words. And again, when he returned, he found them asleep because their eyes were very heavy. They had no words to answer him. When I'm exhausted, try as I might, I just cannot keep my eyes open. Every show I've watched every evening would attest to that. (laughs) I feel these guys, I feel like they've really tried. I feel like if I'd been there, I would have really tried. I've really tried to be there for my rabbi, to watch, to pray, but stress is exhausting and it's already been a week for those guys. They've already been through a lot and it's not over by a long shot. And Jesus is a mess, which is making them anxious, or it would make me anxious anyway. And in this version of events, Matthew says that Jesus asked them, "Can you, not can you men just keep watching with me for one hour? Watch and pray, he says to Peter, so you won't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He's hinting at Peter's denial that's gonna come. But at this moment, tiredness in the flesh is winning. The will in their hearts is losing and they sleep. And Jesus goes to pray again. More snot, more tears. Jesus prayed his gut-wrenching prayer three times. He poured out everything, again and again. And Nielsen Gooden again says, three times he prays this way, pouring out the unedited truth as he experienced it with his raw, beating heart. When everything was splayed out on the ground, he put the whole ugly, crying mess of himself and the whole world in God's hands question. Do you have something that you are losing snot and tears and even dignity over? Do you have longings that hurt deep in the core of who you are that you need to pray but haven't? What is the rain that is falling in your life or in the lives of those that you love or in the corner of the world that occupies your thoughts? And if we learn anything from Jesus, it's pray those prayers. Pray the ugly things. Join Jesus in the garden and pray the messy stuff. Because when we don't give voice to our losses and to our pain, then we hide it in a place that's deep inside of us, and that shit goes bad. Say that. It festers. It goes bad if we don't get it out. But then after the third round of snotty, tear-drenched prayers, Jesus comes back to his friends, and this time he doesn't question why they're sleeping. This time, he seems that he's got it all out. He doesn't like. He's like he doesn't need them now. He's kind of got beyond that, and he doesn't, he doesn't kind of berate them again. He doesn't say, why couldn't you watch with me? He's like, he's already been satisfied. He's already been comforted, and he's found a new place of peace, because this is what happens. The third time he came, he said to them, all right, sleep as much as you would like to have a good rest. The job is done. The time has come. And look, the son of of man is betrayed into the clutches of sinners. Get up. Let's be on our way. Here comes the man who's going to betray me. It's weird, right? In those two verses, Jesus says, sleep as much as you want and get up. (laughs) What does he mean? Does he not need their prayers and support anymore because he's found it in his heavenly father? Maybe that's it. Maybe they can metaphorically sleep, because he doesn't need it. Um, Does he, is he kind of settled in what's gonna happen? Maybe that's it too. Maybe he just knows they're not up to it. Maybe that's it. God hasn't given Jesus the way out that he was looking for. God instead has strengthened him for what's to come. A little while back, in Mark's telling of this whole thing, when Jesus turns towards Jerusalem, it says that um, they were on their way to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. The disciples were filled with awe, and the people following behind were overwhelmed with fear. So Jesus, he knows where he's going, and he's gone ahead of them. Taking the 12 aside, Jesus once more began to describe everything that was about to happen to him. Listen, he said. We're going up to Jerusalem, where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. They will sentence him to die and hand him over to the Romans. Jesus knew what was coming, but it doesn't stop him from asking. In those final hours before his arrest, he asks, is there maybe another way to do this? Something else? The answer was no, there isn't another way, but I am with you. And I wrote I am in capital letters because God is saying, I am with you, Jesus. I think the with you part of this is what makes all the things that are going to happen to him possible. I'm not going to read the rest of the passage because really that's enough. Because I want to think a bit more about this bit and how we deal with this. Um but the rest of the passage says that Judas comes with the temple guards, there's an altercation in your slicing, Jesus is arrest, everyone else abandons him and runs away. <clears throat> but back to the title of the message. I'll be there for you when the rain starts to fall. The disciples were able to be with Jesus up to a point. Do you have friends or family members or others in your circle who are asking big questions? or are in the pit of suffocating darkness like Jesus was? Who are you standing with? Who are you trying to stay awake with? Trying to support? Just think of those people for a second. Is it all on you? This passage would suggest it isn't. Be there if you can, but if you can't stay the course and if you nod off, then cut yourself some slack. Pain is exhausting. Most everyone you talk to is up to here with pretty much everything. It's a whole lot. We can go with our friends to the garden though, we can go to a certain point with them, but uh, it's not on us to go the whole way. At some point we stay back and we watch because it's all them and God. We watch and pray as we are able, but then when we aren't able, it's okay because God is able. So who do you know who seems to be experiencing intense or even crushing pressure right now? Who do you know who's in the suffocating darkness like Jesus was? Who are you trying to be there for as their rain starts to fall? And uh, I thought it'd be good just to think about them and pray for them. So I've got a prayer I'm going to put up on the screen. I need to explain how I write God. My head is in the way. I'll just nail down here. Um, I write God G O D D E because God is neither male or female, and that word sits somewhere in between God and Goddess. So just so they don't trip you up, that is an explanation of that. Um, and I can't write it any other way now; it feels weird. So that's just how it is. Um, so let's pray, God of love and mercy. We name in our hearts the ones that we're thinking of and ask you to be near them as they walk through their dark valley. Give us strength to be with them as far in as we are able and should be. And then we leave them with you. Protect them, comfort them, and may they know that you are with them. Restore peace, give calm and center your life, and even put hope in them again, amen. What if it's you though? I mean, it's okay talking about other people, but what if it's you? What if like Jesus, you are walking into the garden with your own pain and grief and unanswered questions? Well, there are two parts to Jesus's prayer and it takes him more than once to get it done. And if it takes Jesus three times to get it done, then how many more does it work for us? Like, should we expect ourselves to be one and done? I've gone with my big question, I've had it answered, and now I'm leaving, I'm good. Everything's fine. Oh, it's ridiculous. took Jesus three times. So the fir- first part of Jesus' prayer is about laying out before God everything he is thinking and feeling about the situation and asking the hard and honest questions. Actually, Philip, maybe don't because it will mess with the Zoom. It can't cope with two sounds at once. <laughs> Thank you. We'll go back um, ah, Imagine that in your head. Imagine the music. Okay,
0: there
1: we go. Um, so the first part of Jesus' prayer is about laying out everything before God, everything that he's thinking and feeling about the situation, and asking his hard and honest questions. Then the second part is about giving up control, surrendering and putting himself entirely in the hands of the one who loves him most, who also, by the way, is pretty crazy about us too. So let's think of our own questions, situations, and spaces of suffocating darkness, and let's just go and meet Jesus in the garden. Under your seats. There is a piece of paper. Now you have to decide to do this. And if you decide right now, I'm not doing this, that's fine. Maybe tuck it in your pocket and save it for later. Um, if you don't have any, stick a hand up, and Karina has extras. People on Zoom, grab yourselves some paper and a pen. The questions are pretty easy, you'll catch up. They'll be on the screen in just a second. So, first off, you have to decide that you want to go there. And I would recommend that you do go to avoid the festering pus later on. Really, you don't want to have to squeeze that out. Go by yourself or find a friend or two who will go with you. Find a professional like John and Susie who will go there with you. Be honest, lay it all out. Cry the ugly, snotty tears. Now you might not, might not want to do that here this morning. You might want it, that's fine. Your snot is welcome. Your tears are welcome. All of you is welcome. But you might want to take some time to write it all down for your eyes only, just to get it out. I do this every day in my morning pages, which is writing that I do when I first get up in the morning. I say it as it is, I moan, I wail, I'm authentic, I get everything out on the page. It is for my eyes only, and I never even reread it. Like it's out, it's gone. I might come back and say the exact same tomorrow. I have no idea, because I never reread yesterday. But you know what, even if you come back and say the exact same thing tomorrow, it's okay, Jesus came back three times. Say it as many times as you need to. So I've got a few sentence starters that might help. Um, So you've got the piece of paper, and it says, be real. And these are just things I feel, dot, dot, dot. I want, dot, dot, dot. I don't want, dot, dot, dot. I wish, dot, dot, dot. And if it were up to me, I would, dot, dot, dot. If you want to scribble anything now, because it's just come to your mind, do it. But if you don't, and you want to just save it for later, stick it in a pocket. Okay, Philip, hit it. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha! want to come to the second part, which is nevertheless, your will be done. Into your hands of love and grace and mercy I place all of me and all of this. Jesus, when he went to the garden, he got the comfort of his father and he got the strength that he needed, if not the answer that his flesh wanted. In Psalm 22, the psalmist lays out some of this anguish and despair. Um, And I'm gonna finish up with this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from my deliverance, from the words of my groaning? My God, I cry by day and you do not answer. And by night, and yet there is found no rest for me. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our mothers and fathers trusted. They trusted and you rescued them. To you they cried and were freed. In you they trusted and they were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not human, scorned by humankind and despised by people. All who see me mock me. They flap their lips at me. They shake their heads. Commit yourself to the saving one. Let God rescue and deliver the one who, in whom God delights. Yet it was you who drew me from my mother's breast, from my mother's womb, keeping me safe on my mother's breast. On you was I cast from birth. And since my mother's womb, you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. There is power in that word, yet, that comes again and again in that psalm. Yet you are holy. Yet you were there for our ancestors. Might you be there for us? Yet it was you who drew me from the womb. I was cast on you from my birth. My prayer is that each and every one of us would find our and yet that every time we come to God with us, not in tears, and we surely will go there more than once, that every time we come into the garden, we might experience the comfort of our Heavenly Father, our Sacred Mother, and get all the strength that we need for our journey as Jesus did for his. God, may we find our and yet, as we bring all of our mess to you. Amen.